One Redemption, Chapter 21 The Fire in His Eyes Stranded suitcases sat in the middle of the living room. Wade and I collapsed in our respective beds after the 10-day road trip. I reminisced about my conversation with Maria. I knew letting go of those precious pearls was the best thing I could have done. I knew that conversation changed everything for both of us. I stared at the ceiling listening to the dragon puffing smoke in the hallway. He marched in circles outside of the apartment door reminding me of his presence. Relentlessly, his intimidation grew stronger with louder and more frequent outbursts. And he was not the only one. Days and nights collided together as my nightmares grew steadily worse. I maximized my rest from four hours of sleep to five with daily naps if possible. Angels and demons clashed their swords against one another while beasts growled outside of my bedroom window. In my mind's eye, the rusty six-year-old fire escape appeared through my bedroom wall from the outdoors. A slender man climbed the steps with a five-foot twisted beige rope. Shouts could be heard coming down from the dimly lit street as a drunken man stumbled into his apartment. The man on the fire escape and I both glared at the drunken mess until he unlocked his door to get inside. The slender man looked straight ahead now and without hesitation placed a noose around his neck. He slowly turned into my direction. We made eye contact. Then he looked straight ahead again. He kept his tiptoes at the edge. Then all of a sudden, he made a small leap, free falling downward as if making a pencil dive, piercing into the dark. The short free fall successively snapped his neck at the impact of reaching the bottom. Death welcomed him at the strike of two in the morning. And in an instant, the flesh color of his skin disappeared, changing into metallic, deathly gray, as the stench of death filled the night air, inviting the demons to surround the corpse. Black cloaks, embroidered with purple thread, covered their bodies to prevent them from being recognized by the outsiders. The demons shook with an overwhelming excitement as they convinced this one to die. A metallic dagger appeared from underneath one of their cloaks. The fake golden handle with ruby gems twinkled in the night to the creature's movements. His hairless, dark skeleton hand moved the dagger horizontally to slice the noose above the corpse's head. The diseased body plopped to the ground without a care for further injury. The creatures moved in a circular direction as a gray corpse pulsed up and down to the ground. The celebration ignited a resurrection, yet the flesh tone never returned. The man's gray fingers collapsed into the rope with a swift yank, tossed the rope aside. The corpse pushed himself off of the ground with the creatures cheering with eerie, deathly shrieks like fingernails on a chalkboard. The man twisted his neck back into position. He grasped his fingers together, stretched his arms out in front of him as his knuckles cracked. He shook each individual leg as if waking up from a short slumber, 
and began walking towards the descending stairs next to the apartment building. The creatures joyfully jumped into each other as if in a mosh pit at a rock concert, then followed with the corpses leading. The corpse pushed open the emergency exit door, where the dragon woke from his companion. A slow, eerie knock echoed into our apartment basement. I crept my way out of the bed to the door to assure myself Wade would not wake up. I unlocked the deadbolt, turned the doorknob, and slowly opened the front door to the gray man standing in front of me. We kept our gaze at one another with the dragon hissing in the background with his minions. My head tilted like a curious puppy as I searched behind the death in this man's eyes. I knew him intimately. In agreement, we took one deep breath as he stepped forward into my body and we became one. I violently shook as my dark brown eyes glossed over to the darkest of blacks. The demons shrieked in their victory as they stripped off their clothes and pushed themselves into the living room to watch the finale. Death reigned as I dashed into the kitchen, searching through the cabinets. My arms swept through the cabinets as plates and glasses fell to the ground. Glass pieces spread across the floor as my bare feet crunched on the larger remains. I flung coffee cups against the wall with deep screams of pain. The stovetop turned on without help for me. I purposely burned my extremities as a stench of burnt flesh filled the air. Steak knives stabbed into my arms as more blood poured out onto the white tile floor. I quickened my breath before turning into the closed bedroom door. From the edge of my bed, in reality, I stared at myself through the wooden door. Fear shook me as I created myself into the fetal position on the corner of my bed. I placed a feather pillow over my face, hoping it would all go away. I repeated an internal mantra, don't look at him, he isn't there. Don't look at him, don't look at him, he doesn't exist. Don't look at him. My shallow hums turned into tears as a gray skinned man methodically knocked on my bedroom door. I started to pace around the bedroom, unable to sleep from the creature screaming in the background. The slow pounding from death at my door. All of this and the sun hasn't even rose yet. I buried myself into my pillows and somehow fell asleep. The next morning, I hesitantly made a phone call to a Christian psychiatrist in hopes that he or she would understand the spiritual warfare dynamic and not put me into a zombie-producing medication regimen that I just got out of. I swallowed my pride and made the call. I silently prayed that no one would answer as the phone rang. A male receptionist greeted me and asked how he could help. I simply stated my name and asked if I could set up an appointment. Instead of answering my question, the man began to describe different services the organization provided. At the end, he abruptly switched topics and inquired, are these male issues you are dealing with? Excuse me, I asked. Without missing a beat, he began to describe how some men have anxiety with dealing with pornography and masturbation.
bewildered on why someone would call a psychiatric service for those issues, I interrupted him to state it wasn't for that, nor had I ever dealt with those issues. Oh, okay. What do you need an appointment for? He inquired. I have been seeing a lot of demons and different visions. I paced in the apartment uneasy with his long, abrupt pause. Is this like the book of Acts, where young men dream dreams and have visions? Yeah, I think so. Sorry, we can't help you. The phone went dead, then to an empty dial tone. I mumbled to myself, not even a Christian psychiatrist would take me. Not even a Christian psychiatrist will help me. No one wanted to deal with me. I sat on the couch in shock and turned to tears, uncertain of what to do next. The short three-mile drive to work turned into a war zone. A Jeep Wrangler turned into a military vehicle as I sped across a grassy median onto oncoming traffic. I screamed with rage, aiming head-on for a beige Cadillac. I locked eyes with the driver as I stepped on the gas to ensure his death. The horror in the balding white man's eyes turned into an empty stare as he was killed instantly on impact. I crawled out of the open window and grabbed a tree limb from the median, which I used as a makeshift dagger. Vehicles slammed on their brakes, uncertain of what had happened. One woman turned to get out and escape. I ran towards her, jumped over the hood of her car, and jabbed the dagger into her gut. I yanked out the bloody stick out of the woman's torso and howled in victory. The traffic buildup had become an obstacle course as I jumped from hood to hood, murdering everyone and anyone in my way. Those left alive sat stunned at my deranged self. The others will suffer with me, is what I thought. My body shivered to shake off the visual hallucination. My knuckles turned white as I clutched the steering wheel, reassuring myself I would not murder anyone that day. I slowed my breath to be in unison with the worship music blaring through the Jeep speakers. I reminded myself my evening server shift would only last three hours. Then I could go home and try to sleep again. I'd memorized the pattern on my bedroom ceiling Rejection filled me as I stared off into space, pondering that conversation I had with the psychiatrist's office a few days before. I could not separate reality from the spiritual world anymore. I rolled over, looking through the wall, separating myself from the living room. The gray man returned to knock on my door, and without my answer, he turned around to stand amongst the beasts. The demon's glee heightened as snares and empty laughter filled the space. Their scaly tongues stuck out to lick their lips in anticipation as a gray man would become their prey. Their teeth gnashed together in contrast to the rumbles of the creature's hungry stomachs. And without warning, a fox-like creature jumped onto the man's back as he stumbled around Yellow fingernails from another beast pierced into his neck as another one choked him. 
He stumbled and violently shook as his torso with an attempt to get free. But in a moment, that wrestle could not withstand all the creatures jumping on his tired body. Teeth sank into different limbs as blood splattered everywhere. The man did not scream. He only welcomed his defeat. In a panic, I jumped out of bed and turned on the light in an effort to stop the vision. I sat at the edge of the bed with my fingers intertwined, my hands held the back of my head as I shoved my face between my lifted knees, trying to rock myself like a fussy newborn. Don't come in here. Don't come in here. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Tears dampened the carpet below my feet. Unable to soothe myself, I rushed to Wade's bedside and violently shook him to wake up, only to have Wade yell, Go read your Bible and go to bed! Wide-eyed, I raced past where the creatures devoured my body. The sounds of their chewing echoed in our apartment walls. Why couldn't Wade see or hear them? I rushed into my bedroom, tossed clothes into a navy blue backpack, and left the apartment. Fire from the dragon's mouth circled around me as I ran up the basement stairs and out of the building. I jumped into the jeep and drove to a friend's place, and on the drive I called Cliff, who I knew would be awake on the west coast. Nate, what's wrong? They are eating me. The creatures are eating me. The creatures want me dead. What's wrong with me? My words shook as they left my vocal cords. Sobbing tears overwhelmed my repeated questions. What's wrong with me, Cliff? What's wrong with me, Cliff? Cliff's cries echoed mine as I attempted to gain clarity of what was going wrong. Nothing is wrong, Nate. I don't know what's happening to you. What do I do? What's wrong with me, Cliff? Why is this happening? I don't know, Nate. I don't know. You're loved. You didn't do anything to make this happen. Cliff sat listening to my whimpering tears. I hung up the phone as I arrived to my friend's apartment. And in exhaustion, I fell onto his couch and cried myself to sleep, unable to explain about what was happening. He kept saying it was going to be okay, handing me a blanket and a pillow to sleep with. I let my tears lead me into my sleep that night. The following morning, I took a hot shower in hopes to regain some normalcy. Water rushed from the shower head down my naked body as I prayed for redemption to overflow. Sweet, sweet redemption, please come to me now, I prayed. My eyes opened to the shower water trickling down the drain. The clear water turned into crimson red as the smell of blood rushed to my nose. I turned around to see a naked male body laying in the bathtub beneath me. I stared closely in order to recognize the dead man's face. The mangled gray man killed in my apartment 12 hours earlier laid beneath me now. He was me. 
Laughter filled the bathroom from an unknown source rejoicing in my death. I did not stand a chance of living. I closed my eyes to allow the warm shower water rush over my body, drowning out the blood fumes, the haunted laughter, and the dead body itself. I turned the water off and dried myself. I put on clothes and retreated to the couch and napped for several hours more before working that night. The world grew bleak as the sun and the moon disappeared without a cloud in the sky. A faint light from an unknown source lit the dark desert-like field. Shades of gray and black colored the plains and mountainous background. A few hills added to the depth of the horizon. An aroma of death filled the atmosphere. The rumors stood true. The light had lost. Dry bones were stacked in piles throughout the land indicating the light's martyrs. A gust of wind knocked over the bone piles as a piercing light pushed through the soil straight into the skyline. The ground shook as the warriors came out of the ground and began running across the field in search of those who needed to be saved. Their hands touched the dry bones, and a simple touch from the soldiers of light rattled the bones and gave life to the unforgotten martyrs. The resurrected army ran with the troops. The war did not end like the world in the darkness thought that it would. The troops' armor glowed from the light within them as they raced forward. They did not need headlamps or flashlights because their mere identity lit the way. They ran faster than any Olympian before. There is no time to waste. This was not a practice run. Balls of fire began to fly over the mountaintops into the valley of that army of light that raced across the valley. The darkness tactic to get against us and get us off the course. Yet the deep rhythmic breathing kept the pace of their footsteps. I raced with them. I knew what was within me. I had trained for this. An unexpected explosion shook the ground near me. The blast of the ground forcefully flung my body into the air. I bounced on the ground until the dirt slowed my body to a complete stop. The landing shocked my system as I tried to make out what had happened. The war around me turned into a blur, and my white helmet rolled across the standing ground away from me as I lied defeated, listening to the war. The blast, the yelling, it all subdued as I questioned why I even tried to join the light. It's over, I quietly told myself as tears trickled down my cheekbones. I closed my eyes knowing my part of the fight ended. I quit. I woke to hear rummaging around me. The battle cry heightened as arrows continued to be shot, swords clashed against one another, and balls of fire continued to be hurled as the soldiers of light continued to run on. The war intensified and I could not understand why. Still, I distinctly heard one set of footsteps growing louder and louder and coming towards me. 
my muscles tense, unsure of who or what came near. Would the darkness take me away as a prisoner of war? Is this the final moment of my death? I kept my eyes closed, hoping to be overlooked and left to die alone. A gentle hand slid beneath my head and lifted it upwards. I opened my eyes to see the burning flames and his eyes peering down at me. The man placed my helmet back on my head and stated, It's time to get up. We need you. I rolled to my side as I watched the godman move from soldier to soldier, rescuing those of us left as casualties. Each of us received an individualized healing touch to keep us going. The palms of my hand acted as a springboard to push myself off of the dirty ground into motion again. I woke from the vision and walked out of the bedroom to see Wade making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the kitchen. My body only shook, and I was unable to speak. Wade simply stated, You saw Jesus, didn't you? I nodded my head and burst into tears. He walked over to hug me and guided me to the couch so I could rest. Jesus himself showed up. One evening I came home from working a late shift at the restaurant. Wade had been going on dates and would be home at an unset time each and every night. I unlocked the apartment door to see all of Wade's belongings suddenly disappear before my eyes. I stood there with sadness and uncertainty of what it could be like to be single forever. It felt lonely and cold. A moment later, from the air itself, the apartment transformed as a living room filled with toys, puzzles, and diaper bags across the area rug. I looked down as a blonde toddler ran up to me and grabbed my left leg to welcome me home. I heard shouts of, Dad, come from different areas of the apartment as two other boards darted across the hallway into my direction. I picked up and hugged each and every one of them. With one of the children still wrapped around my leg, I looked up to see a woman gracefully walking into my direction. She placed her hands on my arms and greeted me with a slow and steady kiss. Welcome home. The sweet tone of her voice filled the air. I blinked twice, and as I opened my eyes again, I saw the apartment as it was before. Wade's twin bed and belongings in perfect order like he always kept them. Unclean dishes in the sink and the air conditioner humming in the bedroom. I let out a joyous sigh, releasing the vision into its unknown timing. Maybe I would not be alone forever. I did not know when. I knew it would be soon. One day, my beautiful bride would welcome me home. Inbox one unread.
I opened an email from Jonas, a German camper, but now a young adult I had not seen in many years. I loved that our warm friendship continued across the Atlantic Ocean. I could almost hear his voice speaking to me as I read his words. Nate, while praying for you, I had this picture in my head. You were standing in the darkness, fixed on this light in there, just making worship, you in the presence of God. After that perspective, this picture changed and switched a little bit back. It becomes a little brighter so that you can see more within this darkness. There stood this other person making worship too, but you were just fixed on the Lord and she just stood there making the same type of worship. I had these words come to mind for you, Nate. Just fix your eyes on the Lord and the other thing will happen. He will make it happen. Maybe it will help you in the future too. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. I sat on the edge of the couch, baffled by Jonas's email, especially in relationship to the vision I just had. I became overwhelmed by this confirmation. He did not truly know the prophetic words he spoke into my life. I stopped praying the gay away years ago. I had stopped figuring out what sexuality meant and kept pressing towards the gospel. I often wondered if God would finish what he began within me. I still believe my college professor, Mr. Green, had the right wisdom. I had wished for something to happen, and all these visions of my wife and kids continued to happen just because. But I believed, like Mr. Green told me to, that these dreams and visions should just be ignored because of my natural sexual desires, as it were. Jonas's message had perfect timing. There is no reason for Jonas to pray for me, but this is how God reveals himself to Jonas and for me, a specific confirmation I had been waiting for. The following morning, I drove Wade to a local college campus for school. I told Wade about the vision and Jonas's timely email. Wade only smiled and shared a few thoughts of his own. He vocalized his inability to see the differences within people or understand their feelings at all times. Even if someone tries to verbalize them, he just didn't get it. I laughed in good fun because we both knew how true that statement was. Wade continued with, Nate, I did not want to mention it, but, but you are different. I noticed it a couple months ago, something happened you aren't that roommate laying on the couch saying gross as I talk to you about making out with girls. Wade chuckled a bit as we reminisced about that moment and concluded, yeah, I am a little different than before, aren't I? I stated. We both nodded our heads in agreement. Maybe this was real. It took some convincing on Wade's part, but the following week, Wade got me to attend a local campus service called Dirty Laundry, a series giving college-aged kids a chance to tell their testimonies and deepest struggles. 
video testimonies were interwoven with live testimonies on taboo topics such as sexual sins, drugs, amongst other things. A third-year undergraduate student began to detail her struggle with anorexia. I do not know why, but her testimony captivated me. I rested my elbows on my knees to lean in and catch every word that she spoke. My friends told me I would deal with an eating disorder for the rest of my life. Their concern actually became discouragement. I was told I had to pay attention to the daily calorie intake for safety reasons. It seemed like I would be giving power to the diagnosis I wanted to fight against. And crazy enough, it has been three years since the day of freedom first came. It has been three years since I had an anorexic thoughts or counted calories. Freedom came. The crowd broke out in cheers and clapping as I sat in tears. For a struggle, especially a diagnosis to completely end, seemed impossible. I have watched friends move in and out of the same struggles over and over again, almost to never find true freedom. Could she be right? Could diseases or mental patterns disappear? Can true, full freedom be found? The service transitioned to a time of music as worship lyrics moved across the string. The audience sang along with the worship teams as I silently prayed, God, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I made no reference to what I wanted or did not want. All those visions continued to haunt me. I still harbored jealousy as I watched Wade and other people go on dates with ease. I was completely honest with myself. I wasn't fully convinced I could end all of this. You know, put the mental health diagnosis, my sexual identity, and all of those issues fully behind me. I heard a loud, bold statement. You won't. I looked to my right to see Wade watching the worship band next to me. Wei looked in my direction and smiled. My eyebrows caved in as I realized Wade wasn't the one talking to me. I looked around to see who spoke those words. And again, I heard the bold statement. You won't. You won't deal with this forever. I took a large breath in to take in that freedom that that college student spoke about. And I received whatever level of freedom Jesus would soon give me. I won't deal with this forever. Thank you.